Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. And how great is this? So yesterday was the first time the boys checked in to watch uh, the 5.30 open because we wanted to see what she looked like. And, and <laughs> Bootsy and the Hammer go, Grandpa Tony. Yeah. And Bootsy then goes, and Wilbon? We haven't seen Wilbon in a while. Yeah. So you interrupted Super Rigs because we wanted to see if you were going to pass out. So, yeah, it was pretty hot. Today's going to be worse. I know. It's going to be worse. Um, Heat index close to 100. Matt Kelleher said, wear a tank top. I said, no, I'm not wearing a tank top. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. And no, the air conditioning is not fixed on the second floor of the attic. And yes, it is over 95 degrees when we do the show. We have lots of fans. Michael, you brought over I a brought fan over for a us. fan. Now, do you have any worries about the HVAC for the second zone? Because I think now it's an overdrive. I hope it doesn't blow out. Right. I hope that the lower level doesn't blow out. I think out. I hear something. We have... Tracy went out and bought three or four fans. We have so much hum up there that I was, always, I was a little bit afraid it would drown out the show. But you have to make sure not only that I have fans but that the equipment that the camera has fans because that reaches a critical point it gets too hot and then it will just melt which we don't want to have we will get to the open of the show in a little while but jeff ma is joining us here because this is you know a betting day this this is the last show we're doing this week um so this is a betting day so we will have jeff and we will have chuck todd and we'll also have booger mcfarland not to bet but to talk a little bit but jeff you went three and two last week and one of the things you said was you felt that there were some teams that were overrated and you were going to try and identify them and bet against them. Three and two is better than two and three. Three and two does not set the world on fire. And the obvious question for anybody who does this for a living is week one, how much do you learn and how much do you toss out because it was week one? Well, I mean, I think, the key here is not to overreact and to figure out where the signal and where there's noise, as mm-hmm. our friend Nate Silver would say. Um, I think ultimately, if you look at someone like um, a Green Bay, who, you know, I said, oh, this is a team that, that may be a bit overrated going into yes. this year. They look terrible, obviously. Um, and if you look at that game, obviously against New Orleans, the same thing as New Orleans looked like world beaters. New Orleans was a team that I thought would be a bit um, underrated. So now, you know, it, 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 essentially what we, we always see in, in situations of betting is that people do tend to overreact to what they've seen recently. So this is a week, I think, where we'll be looking almost to, to overcorrect for that, unfortunately, because it's like the, the cat's out of the bag already in one week where people are going to overreact to this kind of stuff. A team Does like that make- is interesting. Yeah, I was going to say, does that make week two actually a harder bet than week one? Um, in some respects, yeah. I mean, I think just because I think people tend to overreact, and ultimately, again, it's just one game. It's it's just there's just not a lot of data to to work with, and so you're still operating with the same sort of premise. So it's like, do you have? Can you really see value? And does week one create value for you um, for week two? So. Uh, th- a lot of this, again, is in the old days um, of sports betting before there was a lot of data and before there were a lot of analytical people attacking this, it was pretty easy to find situations where people were overreacting. But now people are just much smarter and, you know, there's a lot of people that have, you know, analytics in their models and, and are attacking this in a much more uh, principled way versus an emotional way. Okay. So tell me who you like this week. Uh, let's start with um, the, the Houston team. Um, they're an interesting team, obviously, because going into the season, they were kind of identified as um, a team that was in turmoil with you know, Sean Watson gone and, and whatnot. But um, they played pretty well last week. Um, yeah. They're getting what, – what number do you guys have there for that? Nigel, do you have a number on this? We have no number. What is the number you want? We'll give you the number I'm you want. I'm glad you guys yeah, are prepared over there. Yeah. Houston, we're going to take Houston plus the 13. That, that's um, the number that I'm seeing. It's 12 and a half, 13, but I'll take the 13 if I can get it. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Cleveland, I feel like maybe have a little bit of a letdown after you know being up in that game the whole time. And and honestly, should have like, won. They should have won, won that, that game. game. Yeah. They. I yeah. mean, if if you're Cleveland, you have to feel terrible. You had them. You had them, and you couldn't close. That's a to me. I know Wilbon laughed at me when I said this. I think that's a real bad loss for Cleveland. I do because they should have won. Okay, what else? I'm going to take Buffalo minus the three and a half against Miami. Um, that Miami New England game was one that I obviously lost, but as a New England fan, it was one that I left feeling pretty good about because Mac Jones looked like he is going he to be did. a pr- very good quarterback. Even even this year, he's going to be a good quarterback. And um, you know, Miami, um, I thought played really well defensively, but offensively looked like a little bit of a mess and. This is a really big bounce back game for Buffalo. Obviously, they were a team that, like I said, I, I thought they were a little bit um, overrated going into the season. Did not play particularly well. Um, you know, had a, had a Pittsburgh team down and, and sort of let them back in. So I like Buffalo to bounce back and be uh, and win that game by more than three and a half points. By the way, as a New England fan, you were going to win that game. That fumble cost you the game with like three minutes to go. You're going in. You're going to win, right? I mean, you got to feel pretty good about that. Yeah, no, I, I, again, like I, as a New England fan, I feel very good about this season after watching that game. Yeah. Belichick, you know, I, I remember when I used to work with ESPN, when I used to have to park your car, um, I talked to <laughs> Teddy Bruschi about one time about just New England and, and what they're like. And he says, he said, you know, Belichick just uses those first four games as experiments. He's like, that's why back in the day, they used to lose a game that would surprise people early because he's really just trying to find out what combinations work, what plays work, etc. So, you know, that loss, I think, um, you know, obviously you'd rather win, but early it's, it's, it's not the worst loss. Okay. What else? I'm going to take Indy plus the four. The last memory everyone obviously has is the Rams um, yes. putting up some big points against the Bears. Um, Indy at home plus the four. Um, they're a team that obviously was – there's a reasonable amount expected of them just because they had a good defense last year. A good offensive line played well. Looks like Jonathan Taylor is going to be a pretty good force for them. Um, I just like this at home plus the four against um, – a Rams team, which is obviously very good, but will be on the road. And, and um, you know, this is, again, just when you, when you bet these things, you just look for where there's inflation in the line. And I think this line should be probably under three versus four. Well, Indianapolis lost. They got beat. I think they got beat pretty well by Seattle. And the Rams looked great. Stafford looked great. He did. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, yes. Again, this is one of those things where you're, you're betting a number. You're, you have to like right. look for opportunities to to find value in these things, and and you know, like I said, so you're betting a number. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Carolina plus the three and a half against New Orleans. Um, I do think this is a situation where you know we've identified that that uh, New Orleans came in a little bit underrated this season. Now all of a sudden they're three and a half point favorites um, against Carolina on the road, just, you know, simply betting on last week, uh, having been a little bit of a, of, a, of a fluke just from a number standpoint that makes them a little bit overrated and gives us some value um, here on Carolina. They've also got six people out, six coaches out with COVID. And I know that, you know, and. Maybe that doesn't hurt you that much in practice. I don't know. But in the game, they're not going to be there. These are six offensive coaches who are not going to be there. I think that has to have some play, does it not? Yeah, it's just hard to know. It's hard to you know, know how much value there is in, in something like that. But cer- cer- certainly you'd rather have them there than not there. So, um, But again, okay. just playing that number, I think it's a little, bit, a little bit inflated. Do you have one more for us? Yeah, we'll take one more. We'll take Atlanta plus the 12. Uh, Woo! against Tampa okay. Bay. Uh, yeah, I, I, again, it's Woo. Atlanta was a team that people went into this uh, season thinking could be sort of, a, you know, a surprise bounce back team. Um, offensively, everyone thought they'd be pretty good. They obviously put up a real stinker last week. They were terrible, um, terrible, yeah. Tampa, yeah. Tampa, everyone is now anointing as, as this year's, you know, repeat Super Bowl winner, but 12 points in an NFL game in week two just, it's it's a lot, so I, I'll have to take Atlanta there. Um, I should bring this up to you. 
It was apparently a record number of underdogs who covered in the week one situation. Twelve different underdogs covered. Do you have any theory as to why that happened? I mean, it's just, to me, that stuff, the sample size is so small. You're going to see a week, probably this week, uh, maybe this week, maybe next week, where a bunch of favorites cover in in bulk amounts. I mean, it's it, this is like flipping a coin. If you flip a coin yep. enough times in a row, one week, you know, you're going to have 11 and 4. One week, you're going to have 4 and 11. So, um, no, I, I think people often make way too much um, about something like that because, as humans, we tend to look for patterns and things where, where there really isn't anything just because we want to make sense of things, and sometimes there is no sense. Thank you, Jeff. You can listen to Jeff hey, and Rufus. Yes, sure. Um, I feel like you buried the lead about this best round of golf that you had. I, I wanted to know what the score was. I shot, thank you for asking, 37-39. I shot 76, the greatest round I ever had in my life. I had, was given a couple of gimme putts inside five feet, like four feet. And even if I missed them, 78 would have been the greatest, you know, cause that's early in the round. And then you just, you're taking it at that point. 78 would have been the greatest round of my life. 79 is the best round I ever had. The next day I followed up, I was 18 shots worse. I was 94. The same person using the same equipment. I shot 94, but, and I play from, I play from the senior tees, you know, I'm not playing a long golf course, but I was thrilled beyond words. It was so great. Because I'm a bad player, and I was just stunned. What do you make of that? Again, just just random. <laughs> Although golf, <laughs> is, one <laughs> golf <laughs> is one of those things that I mean, I, I try to play a reasonable amount, and and it, it's some days you have it, and some days you don't. It seems like, but um, it, the funny thing about golf is like I'm trying to get better, and I'm taking lessons and working with a coach and all that kind of stuff. And every time I think I have it and figure something out either on the range or with my coach all of a sudden the next day when I go play I feel like I you know didn't learn anything and I'm back to where I was a year well, ago. Well so. I'll tell you this I thought that not the day of but the next day when I was on the range I thought I just said oh I finally figured it out just bend down and get it just go get bend down and go get the ball you can do this and I stunk I shot 94 um and but at my age to shoot in the 70s was just great I mean I you know I was thrilled beyond words getting closer to shooting your age getting closer not like Maury Povich who shoots his age all the time but thank you for asking and if people want to hear Jeff not about my golf but maybe his golf and what he and Rufus are up to you can listen to bet the process thank you Jeff thanks Tony congratulations thank you Jeff Ma boys and girls um, we're not going to break just yet because I wanted to do a couple of things, and this is the open of the show. First of all, let me say that we're not going to be on the rest of the week. Um, the one day I take off every year is Yom Kippur, which is tomorrow. And uh, so if anybody is fasting out there, I hope your fast goes well. I am just delighted to report that John Wall is miserable in Houston, and John Wall is now seeking a trade out of Houston. John Wall thinks somebody's going to pick up his $91.7 million contract over the next three years or two years or whatever it is, and somebody's going to actually take John Wall. It's just not going to happen. Now, John, John Wall, who I never liked because all he cared about was a sneaker deal. That's all he cared about. Let's say he never learned anything as a player. He never got... He always ran ahead of the field. I mean, he was not, yeah, he's the king of game six. And in game seven, as everybody knows, he scored no points in the fourth quarter. I was not a John Wall fan. I thought that trade for Russell Westbrook last year was a great trade for Washington. Now everybody's gone. Yeah, and it was a throwback trade, just one for one. Yeah. And it's like it never happened. Yeah, Russell Westbrook went to the Lakers, and now John Wall wants out of Houston. So I thought I would mention that. Um the other thing I wanted to You went mention, out of your way to mention that. I did. The other thing that I wanted to mention was the, and I wanted to bring Michael in just for a minute. Patrick Cantlay was voted by his peers as the PGA Tour Player of the Year. He had four wins. Nobody else had three. He had four. He won the FedEx Cup among those wins. John Rahm, I think. Player of the Year. I think he's Player of the Year, right? I think it should have been John Rahm. And, and it's more about the, it's, it's these, the cycle of events that happened from the Memorial to the U.S. Open 
And again, if you go into just the way that the FedEx Cup points are awarded, if what happens on Saturday at the Memorial does not happen, John Rahm cruises through the FedEx Cup and forget about the forget about the the payout of that money. That that money's not going to change his life. But if you just think about the way that it would it would put this year in perspective, I I'm going to focus on the positive and just focus on how dominant John Rahm looked on those left right breaking butts down the last few holes on that on that final stretch of Tory. I am not on any level knocking Patrick Cantlay. No. He had a great year, an absolutely great year. But John Rahm was walked off the course after three rounds at the Memorial up six. He was not going to blow that the next day. He had COVID. Now, you could say he wasn't vaccinated, so don't feel sorry for him. And I understand that. But then in the FedEx Cup, Patrick Cantlay gets 10 shots and John Rahm gets six shots or seven shots, whatever it is. At the end of those four rounds, John Rahm has a better score than Patrick Cantlay. So to me, John Rahm has three tournaments won, Patrick Cantlay has two, and one of the tournaments is the U.S. Open. I mean, you know, there are four majors. Everybody knows which tournaments are the majors and which tournaments are not. And John Rahm had better scores in every one of the majors than Patrick Cantlay. So I would vote for John Rahm, and Michael, you would too. I would. Okay, we'll take a break. When we come back, Booger McFarlane will join us. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the FrameBridge ad. FrameBridge makes it easier and more affordable than ever to frame your favorite things without ever leaving the house. Add a gallery wall, as Michael has, to your home office, or send the perfect gift from art prints and diplomas to the photos sitting on your phone. You can FrameBridge just about anything. Just go to FrameBridge.com and upload your photo, or they will send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in dozens of frame styles and gallery wall layouts. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The experts at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door ready to hang. And instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39. And all shipping is free. I have an idea for this. I think we should bring in a FrameBridge expert and we should go through this house to find artifacts from your career that we can frame just so that we can keep them protected. That would be a good idea. If, expe- if especially would, against the heat. If somebody would come in. Yeah, it's so hot upstairs. Plus, my listeners will get 15% off their first order at FrameBridge.com. When they use the code Tony K, you can order online at framebridge.com or stop by a Framebridge store, work in person. They have them in New York and Washington, Atlanta, Philly, Boston, and Chicago coming soon. The stuff is really nice. It's all over my house. Get started today. Frame your photos or get, or get someone the perfect gift. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code Tony K to save an additional 15% off your first order. Go to framebridge.com, promo code Tony K. One more time, framebridge.com, promo code Tony K, and use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is Michelle Hunter. She's singing, is it No Choirs? What's the name of this song? I can't even read it. It doesn't matter. Matt Battaglia writes, I've been an avid... No choices, thank you. No choices, yes. Impossible to read. Matt Battaglia writes, I've been an avid viewer of PTI since the earliest days of the show, and I've become a fiercely loyal little since first hearing about the podcast from your beloved nephew, Bill Simmons. I'm a lifelong musician. I've been playing guitar since I was 12. I now make a living as a luthier, which is a fancy word for a regular guy who builds and repairs guitars. A few years back, when the niece of the woman to whom I'm related by marriage received her first guitar for Christmas, no one in the family thought much of it beyond a possible hobby for the young girl more likely something to collect dust in her room. So this past year, when that same niece came to my wife and I with the information, she'd started writing some songs, asking if we could help record them for her. We were a bit surprised and maybe even a bit skeptical. And then we heard her sing and play, and what we heard took our breath away. This is Michelle Hunter. She will play two songs today. Tremendously talented. She plays in Booger McFarland, who's joining us on a semi-regular basis at least, and I want to review some of the things that happened, Booger, over last weekend i would say that the number one story in the entire nfl i would say was aaron Rodgers. he was terrible i mean they came out against a pretty good team new orleans with a new quarterback a new starting quarterback Jameis winston who looked great which i think is a testimony to Jameis winston and to sean payton sean payton's not gonna let him throw 30 interceptions sean payton's too good for that but aaron Rodgers stunk and i wondered I said this the other day. You're a former player. Do you think his heart is in it playing for Green Bay? Or do you think his heart was in it playing for Green Bay? That's the worst performance of his career. 
Yeah, I, I think a lot of people are, are going to that. I think there there could be some maybe a small amount of, of, of lack of motivation. But I think yeah. any small amount of, of that is overridden by the pride that you have in yourself as a player. So there's a creed that we live by in the NFL, Tony, and I'm pretty sure it goes for all sports. But the tape doesn't lie. So five, ten years from now, when somebody pops the tape on, they're going to look at what you did on tape. It doesn't matter the circumstances that happened before the game. doesn't matter the circumstances that happened after the game. When the tape goes on, the tape is the tape. Nobody sees the tape and says, yeah, remember, this is the game. This is the first game of the season that he's coming off the offseason where he really didn't want to be there. See, it doesn't go that way. We're just going to see what we see on film. And I think as a player, you got to have pride. And I think all great players have this. We have pride in what we put on tape. And so I think even though Aaron understands he doesn't want to be there, even though Aaron understands that, you know what, I'm probably going to be somewhere else next year, the pride that you have in yourself as an individual overrides all of that, and you are what you put on tape. So I think his heart is in himself. Now, he may be motivated differently than years in the past, but I do think that there's pride and motivation to still be great. So you don't think anybody on the offensive line or anybody in the offensive backfield, you don't think anybody is looking at Aaron Rodgers as a teammate with skepticism now, wondering how much he's really going to give? I think if you do, you go back and you look at last year because the same questions were there last year. Yes. And he went out and won yes. the MVP. That's so I, 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 I think if you're going to say that, then you have to also go back and say, okay, so he had questions about Jordan Love a year ago, and what did he do? He used it as motivation to go out and have maybe the best year of his career. So just because you have one bump in the road, let's not have revisionist history and say, see, I told you it's going to happen. We're going down the same road again. As, as, as players, we don't talk a lot about players' money. We don't talk a lot about other guys, what they do in the offseason, what they do. When you show up to work, I expect you to be 100% committed, 100% in, until you tell me otherwise, until you give me a reason that shows me that you're not. And for Aaron, let's go back to 2014, Tony. All right, 2014, the Packers start one and two. The world is going crazy. Uh, the Packers are done. He comes out and he says, relax. They go 11 right. and two the rest of the year, and the rest is history. So let's see where they go to the first two, three, four games of the season before we panic, because I'm not ready to panic yet. Okay, have you ever played on a team where the star player and the coach clearly didn't get along, and and how does that work, or doesn't it matter? It matters if they allow it to spill over onto the field or in the workplace. I'll just I'll spin this back to you, Tony. Have you ever been in a company or worked with somebody or been around people that had to work together that didn't get along, and some people didn't know? I'll give you a, a real-life example, real, real-life example. It's been highly publicized and highly documented that toward the end of people that you and I know, Mike and Mike, they weren't yeah. quite on the same page at the end of their career. Well, yes. guess what? No, no one ever knew I until the articles came out. That's because right. I didn't know. Be, be, yeah, because the show was still great. And then when the articles came out, everybody was like, whoa, we didn't know. So it's possible to coexist and work together as long as everyone keeps it professional. Okay, that seems fair. Meanwhile, let me get back to Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is a true quarterback. He was the national champion when he was in college. He had 30 interceptions right. because Bruce Arians <laughs> Bruce Arians is not Sean Payton. Don't, don't be crazy, people. Bruce Arians likes to go deep all the time. Sean Payton will tailor an offense to a person's talent. Uh, am I crazy in believing that Jameis Winston has a chance to be great this year? Because I believe that. No, you're not crazy. As a matter of fact, you and I are sharing a brain. I, I think that Jameis Winston is going to be outstanding. He's going to remind people of why he was the first overall pick. And he's going to, dare I say this, Tony, he's going to make people forget about the inept offense that was under Drew Brees the last couple of years. And here's what I mean by that. Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback, one of the greatest ever. But the offense was limited the last couple of years because of his lack yes. of arm strength and his lack of ability yes. to push the ball down the field. Right. Jameis, Jameis right. can do all that. Just look at the touchdown pass to Deontay Harris. Drew Brees can't make that throw. He even said it on Football Night in America. He can't. He he even said as much. He can't make that throw. So right. Sean Payton has got to be like, listen, I love you, Drew. We had a great run together. We made magic. We won a Super Bowl. 
but I can do things now that I haven't been able to do in a long time. And there's nothing more satisfying than when you get a great play caller who now has a part of his playbook that is now reopened. So Sean Payton is, is re-energized. I, I think the confidence is going to be back. And, and Tony, I think that the Saints are going to be better than they've been in the last two or three years. And some people say, well, I don't know about Jameis. I think Jameis is a better quarterback now than Drew Brees was the last two or three years. And people will laugh when I say that, but let's just watch how it plays out. I, I agree with you. Uh, last year, and maybe this year too, maybe the, maybe the first game was an aberration, Ben Roethlisberger couldn't throw the ball 10 yards down the field. Cam Newton couldn't throw the ball 10 yards down the field. And that cripples an offense. It cripples it. Jameis Winston yep. can make these throws. There's a lot of guys can make these throws. Let me go to one other quarterback, a former and recent MVP, Lamar Jackson. They can't protect him in Baltimore. They don't have any running game. He's got the ball in his hands. He's got to make the play on 60, 70, 80% of the plays that they actually use. They're going to get him killed, or am I wrong? I think you're right. And they're asking him to share uh, a large volume of the offense. And, and, and to me, that's a, that's a recipe for a disaster, as we saw on Monday night. I mean, he had a couple fumbles because he's scrambling around trying to make a play. Their offense doesn't play in rhythm and timing. Like, you can't go one, two, chop, chop, chop. It's one, two, oh, hell, whatever. Oh, now i got to do something. So it doesn't <laughs> right. look like it's a fluid offense. Now, Lamar won the MVP because he took the league by storm. This offense was tailored by Greg Roman, and it was like, whoa, how are we going to stop that? Isn't it amazing as we've gotten further and further away from that? Then I'm not saying the league has figured him out, but he's starting to kind of slow down just a little bit. Because we're not going to allow you to do Michael Vick all over again because we've seen That's Michael right. Vick. He's got to become a little bit better of a passer. They have to figure out how they can run the ball until they get some of their running backs healthy, which may not be till next year. So I think it's going to be a long year for them, especially when their weapons on the outside, Hollywood Brown, Sammy Watkins, haven't shown me over the course of their career they can stay healthy for 90% of the game. So he's going to have to do a lot of this with him a porous offensive line, and Mark Andrews. And Mark Andrews is great, but he's not, you know, the second coming of Ozzie Newsom. okay? I, it, like, he's a good tight end, but he's not going to be the carry an offense like a Kelsey. Uh, so I think Lamar's in for a long year. I, I completely agree with that. Um, my other quarterback issue is when the trade was made, Jared Goff for Matthew Stafford, I said to Wilbon, He's, Stafford's going to be the MVP, and they're going to go to the Super Bowl. And Wilbon, of course, because he has a house in Arizona, has decided that the Cardinals will go to the Super Bowl, and I'm an idiot that the Rams can't beat the Cardinals. Now, both teams were very impressive the other day. But where are you on my issue that, that Stafford could be the MVP and they could go to the Super Bowl, particularly with a guy like Sean McVay, another great play caller? So Stafford uh, has all the talent to do that. I think I want to see this, and I think here's the question that I don't think anyone is ready or should be ready to answer after one week. Is Matthew Stafford a good player that was stuck in bad situations? Excuse me, a great player that was stuck in bad situations in Detroit? Or is he a good player that is going to be magnified when he gets to uh, L.A., and will he still play at that kind of mediocre level? A lot of people think he's great. And if he's great, Tony, the way he showed the other night against the Bears, if he's great the way that a lot of people think he is, then, yeah, he can be the MVP and the Rams will be one of the three or four teams to beat in the entire league. I need to see a little bit more. I need to see Matthew Stafford when they can't run the football, when everybody knows he's going to throw it 40 times that game against elite competition. I want to see him when the expectations before the game starts are – you have to beat or, and, and win against Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, Ben Roethlisberger. I want to see him in that situation because he told us, his words, not mine, I want to play in big games. I want to play yeah. in meaningful games. Well, guess what, Matthew Stafford? So do I. I want to see you play in those games. So all the talent there, Tony, wouldn't be surprised if he is the MVP. But let's see him in some bigger games, not against Andy Dalton. And nothing against Andy Dalton. But Andy Dalton is not putting fear in Sean McVay. That's right. You're 100% right. I'll get you out of here on this. And it, it is probably way too early to tell on this, um, that whether or not Urban Meyer will be successful in the NFL. But in your experience, I would think that you'd look at a lot of college coaches, and very few, very few, are successful in the NFL. And those that are often have an NFL background. Why do you think that like is, Tony? Why do you think the college coaches is, is not successful? I, I'd be interested to hear your opinion. 
Well, I think that that first of all, I don't think the talent level in on college is anywhere near in the pros and you can go out and recruit exactly who you want and you know you're going to win 8 to 9 games a year in a 12 game schedule because of the talent that you have. And I think that also when you get to the pros, the players are not afraid of you. They're not, you know, that they'll take away their scholarship. They don't allow you to be a dictator anymore. And a lot of guys come in and they, they're not used to it. They don't understand that. And some people are, like Pete Carroll, because he had a pro background, you know, before he went to college and then came back to the pros. What are your thoughts? And it's too early to make a value judgment on Urban Meyer. But what are your thoughts on college coaches and their ability to win in the NFL? I think coaches in general, whether they come from college, high school, it doesn't matter, have to have certain characteristics and, and, and certain traits that allow them to win. One, you got to approach this, this business as a partnership because there's probably going to be 10, 12 guys on the team that make more money than you do. So you're not going to be the big fish in the pond. Right. It's a partnership because you have to talk to and deal with professionals that have the same – things in place in their life that you do, a wife, a mortgage, a bank account, kids, um, sometimes marital issues, sometimes like all the things that we deal with as men, we all are dealing with the same thing. So you have to approach this as a partnership where I think you have to take it to the next level is you have to show the partner that you can make me better. How many times in a relationship do you hear the husband or the wife say, my spouse makes me better? Okay. Can Urban Meyer convince the players in the Jacksonville locker room that he's making them better. If he does, he'll succeed, Tony. And a large part of that is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Now, I personally think that he's got the wrong offensive coordinator. I am not a fan of Daryl Bevel and, and, and Schottenheimer, what they're doing there, because I think that they are, they are still kind of living in ancient times. He needs a new, innovative offensive coordinator. The kid threw, what, three picks his first game. He got sacked yeah. a, a bunch. So, that is not a recipe for a quarterback to succeed. It's no different than any, anything in life. If I were to have a five-year-old kid and I'm trying to teach them how to enjoy the game of football, I'm going to do them. I'm going to, I'm going to take them out and just play catch with them. I want to make sure that they have success first. Hey, catch the ball. Now I'm starting to catch the ball. I feel pretty good. Then we'll transition to playing catch with a teammate. Then we'll transition to actually playing some flag football, and then we can get into the actual real game. My point being is he needs to have success early on. He did not have success against the Texans, and I think Urban Meyer has got to figure out all the things, the traits, the partnership, the make the players better. He put a lot of eggs in the Trevor Lawrence basket. He better make sure that that young man has some success and fairly soon. That's great. Thank you, Booger. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks very much. Anytime, Tony. Thanks. Booger McFarlane. Terrific. We'll take a break. We'll come back with Chuck Todd. He'll pick some games. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer is coming to an end. The leaves are about to fall. While Mother Nature does her thing to prepare for the new season, you can do yours by seeing how much you can save on home and auto insurance. Policy Genius can't help you refresh your cool weather wardrobe for autumn. But they do make it easy to see if you're overpaying for another type of coverage, home and auto insurance. It's never a bad time to find ways to bundle your home and auto insurance and save on coverage with Policy Genius. They have saved customers an average of $1,250 per year over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on the auto insurance and new customers an average of $350 per year on the home insurance. Getting started is easy. Head to PolicyGenius.com and answer a few quick questions about yourself and your property. Then PolicyGenius takes it from there. They will compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they will switch you over for free. So head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is Michelle Hunter. It's a really talented person. Really talented. 
Michael, if people like Michelle Hunter or Michelle Hunter's friends want to send in their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornersOfShow.com. And if every, everything 90s is back. Yeah. This is called Plated Metal. It plays in Chuck Todd. Um, we're not going to ask Chuck Todd about Bob Woodward's book. We are not going to ask Chuck Todd about Gavin Newsom not getting recalled. We are going to start, though, with Chuck Todd and this. Apparently, uh, I got this note yesterday from um, Matt Kelleher that for the first time ever in a week one, 12 underdogs covered. That's the highest number of underdogs who ever covered. You were two and five, and that's a bad week. And I understand that. But the first week is a very tough week for most people. Yeah. But what do you make of 12 underdogs? You know, you could only have in the first week 16 games. That's because only 32 teams. So 12 out of 16 covered. The only thing I can think of that sort of that was an actual change in perception was the that there were fans in the stands, and we didn't yeah. have that for such a period of time last year. I, you know, whether it was the, the the quarterbacks that went on the road that didn't have to worry about that before, I don't know. That would be the only that would be the only thing I could think of is that the the, the crowd changed things um, and stuff like that, but. You know, beyond that, it's also a reminder that the NFL is the worst team in the NFL is a lot closer to the best team in the NFL than the worst team in college football is to the best team in college football. And I think we always forget that on any given so, day, the worst team in the NFL. That's is right. The best team in the NFL. So what you have, I mean, it's not the lines are originally set by people who set the lines. But after that. The betting determines the line. It's not It's oh, not like yeah. you can look at the seeding at the U.S. Open and say, wow, two unseeded players went in there. Maybe the seeds were wrong, right? Because that, those are determined by a group of people, and they, they're they not mutable. They don't change at all. The, the line on a game does change. But still, 12 out of 16 is a lot. It's a lot. No, it is. That's a, that means there's a lot of big... Um, either overreactions in the offseason, statistical anomalies that people didn't pay attention to, but we'll see. It's also, as you point out, it's week one. And, you know, know, a year ago at this time, Jacksonville was undefeated after week one. That's right, and now they're 0-1. Yeah. And by the way, I'm happy because I'm not an Urban Meyer fan. That's just (laughs) me personally. Uh, Uh, The Urban myth. The Urban myth. Yeah, Um, yeah, I mean, he's – yeah, I'm not a big fan of Urban Meyer. Okay, Chuck yeah, Todd is on the clock. The first game we talk about, normally we would give you the Washington football team game last, but it's first because it is tomorrow night. It's two bad teams. Let's be fair. The NFC East is bad, and even though the football team went to the playoffs last year, they're not a good team. They just lost their quarterback in the first quarter of the first game of the season. The Giants are plus three. The Giants are getting three. Giants lost to Denver. Both teams lost to AFC West teams. Giants get three at Washington. Who you got? I just, this is a short Thursday night week. Tough to take a road team on that, especially a bad road team with, with yeah. the Giants. So I, I, I am, I'm nervous about Heineke, but, you know, it's, it's the Giants. I mean, if you were ever going to have a good first game that he's got to start, I think you're you're happy with that. I just worry about, you know, you want to talk about a, a ratings issue outside of Washington. This is going to be a very unwatchable game. Let's be realistic. Yes. It's not yes, going to be a the, fun the, game to watch. Um, the American people will vote by not watching this game. They'll vote watching. for something else. Yeah. 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 So yeah, you'll no, take only only 15 million people are watching instead of 17. Uh, but yeah, give yeah. me the uh, give me the football team. Okay. And it's mostly because I can't I don't think you can bet on the Giants right now. Like, they have to prove they can win a football game before you put money on them. I'm not extraordinarily confident in Washington. I'm just extraordinarily not confident in New York, for what it's worth. I am assuming that you were betting on the Washington defense, because you could not, in good conscience, bet on Taylor Heineke. You can't. You just can't. No, 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 no. But at least there's one unit that's a playoff unit of the four units, and that's the Washington defense. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Buffalo, which got beat, beat at home and beat surprisingly. Buffalo is the favorite at Miami. Miami went to New England, I believe, and won the game. Now, to be fair, New England was going in to win that game when their running back fumbled the ball late with about two, three minutes to go, and that's why they lost that game. Mac Jones looked credible there. He certainly did. 
Um, but Miami wins. Tua won that game. Buffalo at Miami. If you like Buffalo to go one and one, you give three. Well, that's another way I, I end up looking at some of these picks. You ask yourself, are the Buffalo Bills really going to be zero and two? Now I know yeah. there's always a surprise zero and two, and there's a surprise two and zero, and everybody loses their you know what over it and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. I also don't have. I don't get. I'm not in the Tua camp. I know some people think two is going to be great. Some people think two is going to be good. I don't buy. I'm 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 a skeptic on Tua anyway, uh, and I just don't believe the Bills are going to be. Uh, I, they could boat race Miami here. I know Miami's a well coached team, and I, I like that Flores guy a lot. It's the first decent coach Miami's had in a long time. Um, but Buffalo's too talented. They could really, and that offensive coach is pretty smart. That Dayball guy. I, I just I think they bounce back big. Okay, anyway, and I'm also not a big tour guy, so give me the bills. The Raiders coming out of a, I don't want to say lucky, but a weird sort of overtime win against the Ravens. The Raiders go on the road to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had the biggest surprise. Well, not the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise was Green Bay not scoring any yeah, points. But the second yeah. biggest, yeah, <laughs> second biggest surprise was Pittsburgh beating Buffalo. Pittsburgh is now home. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders go there, and they're getting five and a half. That's a pretty big number, five and a half. Who you like? You know, there's a there's a stat out there that's like, you know, when you have to go on the road after a Monday night, I think it, it it's it's not a good thing. Plus, okay. you have to travel across the country. But I really want to take the Raiders here. I think when you look at that, I watched a, a decent chunk of that Pittsburgh Buffalo game. Pittsburgh Buff, that block punt is why Pittsburgh won that game. They don't win that game without that block punt, and they didn't look like they could move the ball. And you know, I just if it's a shootout, I think I take Derek Carr. Man, he looks so good at times uh, against the blitz. So that's a lot of points. I want to take the Raiders because I had fun watching them Monday night. I think it's a bad pick, but I, I, this is one of those I'd just rather be on the Raiders side. Derek Carr, by the way, in the fourth quarter and the overtime, passed for two hundred sixty-seven yards and two touchdowns in the quarter and the overtime. 267 years, you know. I was so, watching, though. I was, I woke up. I was asleep, and it was one of those things, you know, you fall asleep, and you wake up, and you're like, oh, yeah. this game's still going? And um, it was an enjoyable 10 minutes. It was wild, okay. but it was enjoyable. San Francisco, which should have won easily over Detroit and allowed Detroit to get close enough to have their kneecaps bitten. San Francisco was up 38-10 at one point, but they beat Detroit on the road against Philadelphia. Philadelphia went to Atlanta and killed Atlanta. Jalen Hurts had an NFL quarterback game. There's no question about that. Jalen Hurts looked really good in that game. San Francisco, probably a better team. San Francisco giving three and a half at Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to assume that they just let the foot off the gas, and that's why Detroit made that a game at the end. Let's just say I had a couple of um, – I had a teaser bet that I was panicking over at that game. Mm-hmm. Um, closer <laughs> and closer, to be frank. It was one of those I needed – I needed it to stay at eight had it gotten down to – you know, had they tied the game, whatever, then the, 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 the teaser was gone. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know whether the Philadelphia win is as much about Philadelphia as it was about Atlanta and, and, the, and whether the FedEx son is any good at being a head coach. Arthur Smith, but we'll see. Uh, I will. Um, I'm going to go with the, the Niners here. I just think they're that much. They're that much better on paper, and three points isn't a lot. I think you're getting. I think you're getting a little bit of a bargain because Philly looked as as per, perception, you know, perception wise, they look good. And I just no, think this did. is a line that in a month people will say they were only favored by three. Mm-hmm. Three and a half. Three and a half. Just want to make sure. Yeah. Three and a half. Yep. Okay. Yep. Dallas, which looks so good against Tampa Bay, and they did. Dallas made it a real game. Dallas looked great. Haven't played in 10 days. That's often an advantage. They are going to, well, it's not San Diego, though. I want to say San Diego. It's the L.A. Chargers. The L.A. Chargers have a terrific game, home quarter. It's a home game yeah. for the Cowboys, right? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Chargers beat Washington. Justin Herbert's really good. But Dak Prescott looked great, and Dallas is getting three. At the charges, who you got? It, you know, it's hard to, to to pass up Dallas getting points and the Chargers. I know we have a new coach there, but 
I don't remember them being any any good as a favorite. You know, they're just you know they were technically an underdog against Washington. They're not they're they're not have haven't shown themselves to be good as a favorite. So uh, it's a Dallas home game, fans wise. It's not far from when they train. I'm I'm uh, I'm going to get the Cowboys. Okay, Tennessee got beat badly by Arizona, really badly. Tennessee is a contending team. Tennessee, at the moment, I would think, is thinking this is almost a critical game for us. They go to Seattle. Seattle won a really tough game on the road. They beat Indianapolis, and they beat them. Seattle comes mm-hmm. back home for the first time. Tennessee got beat at home and goes on the road. This is one of those games where you say, you know what? Tennessee's season might actually be on the line here. Tennessee is getting five and a half points at Seattle with Derrick Henry and with Ryan Tannehill. Well, that was what I was going to say with Derrick Henry. If they lose this game, does everybody start to do their stories about all of the miles that's on Derrick Henry's body and all of the carries that he's had over the last four years and all of the yardage that he's had. It's like, I don't care who you are at some point that takes a toll unless you're Tom Brady, apparently, but at some point, especially a running back, you can't take the the beating he took, no matter how big you are. Um, Five and a half a lot. I I hadn't seen this line. I'm not a fan of betting against Seattle at home early in the season. That's a right. lot of points. I'll be on the side of Seattle, but I'm not comfortable with it. I certainly wouldn't bet real money with it. But I, I, this is more about, I think I'm going to bet that Tennessee's the team that we're like, what's wrong with them? The 0-2 team. So that's what I'm betting. Okay. All right. Kansas City is at Baltimore. Baltimore lost the Monday night game. They get to come home. They could not protect their quarterback. 55% of his dropbacks, he was pressured. He threw the ball 30 times and he ran 12. That's 42 offensive plays of however many they ran that he had the ball in his hand and he could get hit. This is a disaster for Baltimore if that's the way it continues. I'm just editorializing here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Baltimore needs to win to go one and one. Kansas City is, they're the best team in the AFC. This is a bad matchup for Baltimore in the second week, it seems to me. And yet Kansas City is only a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and that surprises me a little bit. Well, they're not – you know, Kansas City, there's a stat I saw. They were they, they, as dominant as they've been the last two years. Um, they're not covering. Now, part of that is I think the public overbets them. You know, as you pointed out, yeah. you're not yep. – these lines are not statistically correct. It's public perception. And, the, you know, the public, it's like – Brady, you know, you don't want to be on the wrong side of Mahomes, so you're more likely to bet on Mahomes than you are to bet against them. Uh, I, the only, I'm, I'm going to take Baltimore here because of the hook, um, I, I, the three and a half, uh, the hook, right. is, and I, I do believe that Baltimore was looking ahead. I think they've been game planning. I think this is the the game they circle uh, early in the season. This is what Harbaugh cares about. So um, I think they didn't show as much to Oakland or to Vegas, whatever, sorry. Um, and uh, I, so I, I'm, that's what I'm banking. I hear you on the offensive line, but Lamar still looked, boy, he, he is throwing the ball well. He looked, yeah, that that was clear. I, you know, I'm, uh, I, you know, I, this feels like a game that's going to be very tight and Mahomes may win by a field goal, but I like the hook. So uh, okay. and Baltimore can win this game in a regular season matchup. So I'm going to take the risk. Thank you, Chuck. As always, thank you, thank you. We'll talk to you about this right, next week. You got it. Hey, nope. Ryan Zimmerman, we're a game out of last place. We're a game out of fourth place. One of my Ryan favorite movies, Zimmerman, bad movies, semi-pro, fourth place. Start he's a fourth great place. part-time player. He's a great yeah. part-time player, Ryan Zimmerman. He really is. Thank so you, Chuck. Chuck Todd, you boys. These days. You're a great part-time player. Goodbye. That's pretty much what I've always been as a part-time guy. <laughs> If we gave you Chuck Todd and that's all we gave you, that would be enough. But we give you more. We give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad smoking. Get ready to sing along. Hanging with Bud Grant, <laughs> tap, tap, tapping on his purple attache. Nigel's going to the zoo, zoo, zoo. The fight's fighting. Blue, Walker, blue. All right, Reginald was one and two last week. I refuse to believe that we're not timed up. Reginald, yeah, it sounds like sounds great in my ear. Play it back for me, Sean. One and two. Who did? Did you go to the zoo? What happened? Where is he? 
I did go to the zoo, and uh, I think we know why he um, is off to the, the slow start. He's, uh, he's very occupied. You'd be excited about this, Mr. Tony. Uh, there was a bunch of Hollywood people in his cage. Really, his, his condo that he's got to the zoo. Casting directors, agents. Apparently, they are rebooting Lancelot Link, and Reginald is being considered for the lead in that. So it's very Great. exciting for time him. for him. Yes. Good for um, him. Yes, but they took a break from the action to, uh, to, to go over these games, and obviously the first game again was the Washington football team at home uh, giving three to the Giants, and he, out of his wallet, he showed me a, a faded photograph of him playing poker with Frank Sinatra, Carlo Gambino, and Billy Martin. So he's clearly got ties to the New York area, and he will take the Giants with the three points at Washington. I'll now, just point out that Saquon Barkley is a great player against the football team. He is. He is. Oh, is, right, is what he? else? Well, yeah, uh, maybe Reginald knows that as well. Well, the next game we gave him was uh, was uh, Philadelphia at home getting three and a half against the 49ers. Uh, and this was a lovely picture he showed me of him in a hot air balloon ride with Ron Jaworski, Jaws, that's right, Dallas Green and Tug McGraw. So he's got ties to the Philadelphia area. He will take the Eagles with the three and a half at home. And the last game we gave him was Kansas City on the road giving three and a half at Baltimore, uh, and this was just another uh, lovely shot of him in a picnic with Hank Stram, Larry Gura, and Paul Splittle. So he's got ties to the Kansas City area. That's what we read from that, and he will take the Chiefs and lay the three and a half. I never would have heard the name Larry Gura again in my life if you had not mentioned it. <laughs> never. Never in my life. All right, those are Reginald's bets and Chuck's Todd's bets. We will take a break. We will have email and jingle when we return. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Freshly ad. Freshly is food that comes to your house. It's made, you cook it, you eat it. Dinner time can be chaotic, but with Freshly it's easy. Their chefs take care of your meals a few nights a week and they take the pressure off of you. We're all trying to get in shape and eat right. Freshly can help. Their delicious meals are designed by nutritionists and cooked by chefs, making it easy to eat better. Freshly offers chef-made, nutrient-packed, delicious meals delivered fresh to your door. There's no cooking required. Grocery shopping and cooking can be a pain. And with Freshly, you don't have to. Your meals arrive cooked and fresh every week. You can keep your fridge stocked. You can skip the trip to the store. Ordering is easy. You visit Freshly.com. You choose from over 30 delicious, satisfying, better for you meals like steak, peppercorn, sausage, baked penne, or their chicken pesto bowl. Highly I've, recommend the penne. I've had the penne. The penne is very good. Freshly can fit your lifestyle with a variety of plans and meals to pick from that work for your dietary needs, your preferences, your tastes, and your family size. And now listeners to this high-quality podcast can try Freshly for just $6.16 per meal. Stop searching the internet for healthy food near me every night. Start living life freshly. Right now, Freshly is offering listeners to this show $40 off your first two orders when you go to Freshly.com slash Tony K. Stop stressing about dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two orders. You'd be crazy not to try this, honestly. If it's six sixteen a meal, come on, you got to try it. That's Freshly.com slash Tony K for $40 off your first two orders. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hope Andrew is listening today. That's his school, University of Missouri. Nigel, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you will be thrilled. We got the bagel sandwiches today. Happy about that. Michael gets to take some home. Happy about that. Uh, that's just about it for us. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, let the river run. Let all the dreamers wake the nation. Come the new Jerusalem. Silver cities rise, the morning lights, the streets that lead them, and sirens call them on with a song. That is from the movie Working Girl. That is Carly Simon. That would, I think that won the Academy Award. I think that's one of the great songs you've ever heard leading into a movie. Thanks to our guests today, Chuck Todd, Booger McFarlane, and Jeff Ma. 
host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks to our sponsors, Framebridge, Policy, Genius, and Freshly. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get show through Apple Podcasts, please. The song is beautifully review. performed by the Murray Chamber Choir back in 2003. <clears throat> is that right? Did you? Yes. Did were you part the of the Magicals singing? group? Yes. Oh, that's it's such a great song. Uh, from Ashton, um, uh, I'm sorry, Ashton. Yes, from Daphne, Alabama. Enjoyed a first this morning. One of my neighbors has two large dogs that always bark like crazy when anyone walks by. Drives me nuts, but I've never spoken to the man. Not my style to be confrontational. Usually when I'm walking my 15-pound wiener dog, I have my AirPods in and I can ignore the world. But this morning they were dead, so I had to go with the phone speaker at full blast. What this meant was during my walk, whoever was within earshot could hear the degenerate gambler Chuck Todd's football picks. The best part was on the way back to my house. What should come on but Reginald's theme song, and of course accompanied by Mr. Tony and Michael, trying their best to harmonize, albeit two full seconds behind. We're behind, Mike. We're behind. Out of Were you nowhere, fast or out slow? of nowhere, my neighbor joins in with Vikes by two. To say I was stunned would be an understatement. My dog even took a step back. You'll be pleased to know that this unlikely introduction to a fellow little meant that I was given a free pass to give my annoying neighbor the TK salute with Raise no repercussions. Flag. <laughs> All I can say is that listening to this show has given me one of life's little victories. Thank you. P.S. I know he's listening to this. I hope we can share a laugh the next time we run into each other. Um, Bernie in Fort Lauderdale. While I live and I'm from Florida, my favorite team since I became a baseball fan at age 7 in 1964 has been the Pittsburgh Pirates. By now I'm used to them losing. Still a headline like this. Nationals travel to Pittsburgh in battle of last place clubs breaks my heart. The Nationals have been my second favorite. <coughs> Excuse me, since 2017, when I became a little. Thanks for all you do. My wife still calls your podcast that yelling show, but I've caught her giggling almost as often as she rolls her eyes. Here is a haiku from Shad for Carville. Politics free zone, just measure Carville's you know what and let him bet games. Carville was two and one last week. He had a he had a winning week. Jason Bullet in Half Moon, New York, and I'm unfamiliar with that. Says greetings, old sport. I'll bet anyone who hates paydays also drives a Subaru. From Jeff Jasper, the Kansas City Chiefs are overrated. Jeff Ma is overrated. So there we go. We're having a throwdown situation here. From Steve the Sycophant, now I understand why most, my most recent emails haven't made it to air. They're in the wrong pile. On Thursday's show, when Michael had to tell you that you were rereading emails and the red pile was mentioned, all became clear. Please, please put my outstanding emails in the to-be-read-if-I-feel-like-it pile, not the I've-read-these-emails-on-the-air-but-want-to-keep-them-around-in-case-I-want-to-embarrass-myself pile. Don't forget the most important pile, the one labeled Keep On Potting. And the best is you go back over the various piles after the show by yourself in the evening. I do, and then I, I don't... So that's how it ends up back in the, in the yeah, red pile. Crazy. Sal Badillo writes us this, and he says, The subject is hoping Tony is getting ready to talk more Rays baseball. And he's wearing a T-shirt with a Tampa Bay logo that says, Not interesting nor charismatic, which I've said on PTI a number of times. It's just fabulous. I love the T-shirt. Uh, from Carmen Real in Lakewood, Colorado, but originally from Syracuse, New York. Dear Harper Boy, U.S. News & World Report's 2022 Best College Rankings just came out yesterday. Your Bearcats of Binghamton came in ranked a respectable 83rd. Stony Brook, a far distant 93rd. Eat at Seawolves. 83rd's not bad. That's great. I'm pretty happy no, with that. I need that. some more of that Duke versus Penn. I, I need to take home some good news. Yeah, usually, as Duke has recently, Duke, Penn? Yeah, recently, Duke has been a little bit higher. You don't want that. I think that's the basketball bias. John Rosen, Salinas, California. Let me get this straight. In the sentence, Sitsipas ordered dash pass for Russell Westbrook. The only part that wouldn't trip you up is the Greek guy's name? I can only assume that Sitsipas is the meditative mantra you've been using to get yourself through those seven-minute planks. Maybe I'll have to try it. From Gabrielle Renault, the show's former Iraq correspondent. So let me get this straight. You will not go on Cameo to earn $500 or more for five minutes of your time from the comfort of your home, but you're willing to be an unpaid greeter at the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown? In the past, you've been willing to cook steak at homes for $1,000. I know you weren't an economics major, but your retirement plans are starting to sound as rational as opening up a kissing, kissing booth in the middle of a pandemic. It's actually a very good You could be a tour guide and show them where the river starts. Yeah. I, the river, the mighty Chesapeake River starts in Cooperstown, New York. <laughs> Is it the Chesapeake or the Delaware? It's, maybe it's the Delaware River. The Delaware River starts then. I thought you had memorized the placard. I haven't. I haven't been up there in a while. One more. 
From Elliot Olshansky, our friend Elliot in Comac, New York, who sent me the tie that Agent Beeman wore in The Americans. Let me get this straight. Is everybody starting with let me get this straight? The guy who waxes poetic about the glory days of the Big East, Big John Thompson wearing Louis, wearing Louis Karnasek's sweater, and the glory of the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden said to Pat Forty that Larry Scott is the worst commissioner ever, not Mike Trangisi who presided over the beginning of the end, or John Marinato who lost Pittsburgh, Syracuse, Louisville, and Notre Dame, huh? Didn't see that one coming. Also, as the son of an adjunct professor at UCF, I feel obligated to inform you that Central Florida means Orlando. Couldn't imagine anyone wanting to go to school there, right? I suppose that's why it has the largest student body of any public university in the country. Yes, the school is not an athletic powerhouse, but that doesn't mean it can't become one in time, particularly given all the traditional powers whom you and Forty were saying, oh my God, about on Tuesday. Best regards and... Gamar Shatima Tova from Suffolk County, where I'm now listening to your show on an iPad from my new job so I can listen on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. And again, if you're fasting, may it go easy. Thank you, Mr. Tony. Thank you, friend. <laughs> Lately, we all just want to go back to our sleep. Because our dreams are just so much better than our reality. And we all want to be somebody following our dreams We're just too scared to move away from these bitter streets Let's make a town where we could all be free A town where we could live, love, love And be the ones they never wanted us to be That is the dream I see for ones like you and me
Like a day. 